my fellow Americans. I've been away for a while, but I'm committed to chasing this American dream and releasing one of these fine podcasts each and every month. This month, I'm joined by Matt Ryan, one of the founders of Capital Wrestling and an all-round super nice guy. If you wanted to keep up with everything this great company is doing, then take a look in today's show notes. I've included their Twitter, and most importantly, how you can watch this amazing product. Without further ado, here we go. So, <laughs> this is a... An Englishman's Guide to Being a Better And on the other end of this phone call is Matt Ryan, executive producer at Capital Wrestling. Hello. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, I am in Jersey City, New Jersey. But where, what, what are you doing right now? Are you, are you in a building? Are you... Oh, I'm, I'm just getting dinner in between all the other things I have to do today. Because you are an extremely busy man. And they're busy, um, insane, uh, logistically terrible. It's a variety of things. <laughs> well, I just want to like start this by by you. You gave me a quote a few months ago or a month ago when we tried setting all this up, and I've kept it. This is your exact words. You said, "I produce television and promote fights, so it's a balancing act of being a carny and being a considerate human being." And I yep, just that's that's, just that's the job. well it works um so i'm i'm trying to become the greatest american of all time if not just a a substandard american the goal is to be better than jay leno that's a that's a that's an attainable goal thank you Do, do you do nothing but monica Lewinsky jokes um no but i've also also i'm pretty sure if conan and i were up for the same position i'd let him have it that's fair. That's fair. Have you have you stolen gigs from talented redheads before? Because if so, we got to fight. Like that's just kind of a rule. <laughs> you, the union thing. It's a, or just all redheads. Yeah. After Letterman got shafted in '93, we all just kind of had a meeting, and just revised the <laughs> revised the charter. I was four at the time, but we all just kind of mutually agreed for that to be a thing. Well, every vote counts. I so. just, well, and. Eh. You'll, you'll learn as an American that's not necessarily true. Oh, okay. Well, I do want to also just state that you have one of the most fantastic beards I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Thank you. I just chopped it down uh, about three quarters in length because when you're the executive producer of a highfalutin show that airs in a variety of places, uh, you get peer pressured into looking like an adult. So... I got to keep my hair, but the beard had to be cut down a bit. I refuse to shave. I refuse to completely shave it off. It says five to six years. This is six years of hard work right That's here. Six years. Damn. Yep. See, I'm. I've been rocking uh, a goatee that I'm. I'm just growing out since October, and I got it stuck in my my jacket zipper the other day. I was like, Oh, that sucks. I was like, Should I? No, nah, I'll keep it. Um, but six years. That's impressive. That's a commitment. Yeah, that, that is a commitment. And it was all because I knew I was in my early 20s. And I came to the point where I needed to look like an adult. Because if I, if I shave my beard, mm. I look like I should be carted everywhere I go. Whether it's a bar <laughs> or a laundromat or just most social situations. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I decided to start a podcast because I didn't want to shave. 
<laughs> my dad would often say to me, you have a face for radio. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get into that then. Uh, as someone who's been doing that for a, fuck, 11 years at this point. Uh, yeah, that same these. Yeah, like you, um, so I guess there's like a little bit of background. You, you know my wife, Pam. Uh, yes, you and I haven't met yet, but we're we're coming along to uh, your your event that's going on on a on a certain hey. Sunday. I think there's I think there's a summer wrestle fest thing going on. There. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's 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 some shindig going down in MetLife. Just you know, ninety thousand people having a good time, and we're hoping that a couple hundred come hang out with us uh, before the whole thing lets off. Well, I, I hope so too. Um, so I, I am very, very excited to, to, to touch a beard that's taken six years to, to grow. <laughs> so with, with this, I, I have to ask, how would I become the greatest American of all time? Because when I think of America, I think of, I genuinely think of eagles, hot dogs, mm-hmm. and wrestling. You're on the right track there. Uh, pro wrestling is the most quintessential American sport. While baseball is the American pastime, football is a great metaphor for the American experience and the American idealization of war, and basketball is just fun, and hockey's Canada, but we, we let that slide. Uh, pro wrestling is born of the American ideal of hard work, showmanship. Uh, the hero's journey is a big part of what pro wrestling is, and we're a nation built on television, innovation, and showmanship. Everything about America is grand. There's not a lot of subtlety in America. Grand Canyon, Mount Rushmore, the National Anthem, Fourth of July. You can't see, but I'm I'm saluting you right now. (laughs) This is better than the Independence Day speech. This is- Oh, don't, oh, don't, don't don't call me Bill Pullman. Oh, don't do that now. I pulled Don't a, I pulled a, a bull pullman. Uh, so how did, because you, you've had, you, I could spend three hours talking to you about everything that has led you to capital wrestling, but I would like to sleep at some point. So how, <laughs> how did capital wrestling come about? Like, how was it? I mean, what was the, 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 the kind of catalyst to, to get this off the ground? Me sitting at my desk at the National Hockey League watching territorial wrestling from southern Tennessee uh, just a few days before Christmas. Okay. And then you just, like, I'm going to start a wrestling uh, promotion. Well, I had experience uh, producing shows. Uh, I had been producing shows like three years on and off prior to that. And me and my co-founder, Marcus Dowling, had always had the idea of capital in the back of our heads. And it kind of changed forms and ideas over the uh, over the past couple of years before we kick things off in 2017 mm. but we loved territorial style pro wrestling that was the thing that we loved analyzing discussing breaking down and that was initially the concept of doing territorial old school wrestling style television for modern audiences with modern characters modern styles yeah and basically looking to modernize the industry in a post-industrial way. See, what I, what I do miss about uh, territorial wrestling, and I, I, I try and fill time while you get comfortable with your slice of pizza, um, 
is that everything it wasn't it wasn't kind of it wasn't WCW it wasn't WWE style where it was the same thing across the board. It was you could you could watch uh, Southern territorial wrestling and it was more technical. You could watch uh, I don't know something around the the Northeast and it was a little bit more flashy. And then in England you had just kind of workhorses almost. And, and I, I I truly missed that, especially when it became monopolized. Yeah, the the business completely kind of changed uh, from the 1980s on when you see the evolution of wrestling. If you go back to the 1940s and 50s when television really started, Mm. pro wrestling was a sport. It was something that was treated in the same way baseball, basketball, and boxing were, uh, especially football. Those were the big television sports. Wrestling was the first big weekly television sport. And then as it grew... The characters became more flashy. You had Gordon George, you had Killer Kowalski. You had these larger-than-life characters. But then when TV monopolization kind of came crashing down and things became more regionalized and a whole bunch of political infighting in the wrestling business kind of necessitated a lot of changes, you saw each area adapt to different styles and different ideologies and different social structures that fit within the the world it lived in. New York was primarily based on ethnic draws like Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, Argentina Rocca. In the South, you had more gritty workhorse guys, and the same thing in the Midwest. If you had if your last name ended in ski or Ganya, you were over. Mm. Okay. With um, did you find with uh with Terra like obviously it would be great to go back to that style of almost the unwritten rule, these are my guys, these are your guys. Yeah, we can do some cross stuff, but stop poaching. How do you, how do you find your wrestlers? Like, where, where do you go to, I mean, because it's, it's not like they can just give you a call and say, hey, I want to wrestle now. Like, how, how do you scout your, your talent? Well, it's in the internet. We have people that, are, that send us stuff. We have people that watch stuff for us give us recommendations. A lot of it is people show up, they leave, they make a great impression, and we want them back. Mm. There's guys like Jordan Oliver who would show up to shows, help out, and now he's a featured attraction. Same thing with Casey Navarro. Uh, Matt McIntosh, who's currently our champion, was a last-minute replacement for somebody on a show that got kiboshed, and we had to work and move around, and now he's our champion, main eventing our second, his second straight anniversary show. That's so insane. that just shows you that opportunity. We thrive on giving people opportunity and seeing if they can prove themselves. It's um, it's a very ECW style kind of vibe that that I'm getting from from things I, I've watched. It's very, it's very almost. I I don't want to say the word community driven with with ECW in the same sentence, but do you, do you know where I'm going? Like it kind of, it feels very close knit, but also very welcoming to anyone that wants to get involved and, and, and see some pro wrestling. Yeah, no, we, we believe that everyone has the right to enjoy professional wrestling in one way or another. Hmm. And we believe much as in America, everyone has an opportunity, every lifestyle, every identity we've had transgendered people on our roster. We've had openly gay people, bisexual, heterosexual, Republican, Democrat, liberal, atheist, super religious. We've had all walks of life walk through our doors. 
because if they're talented, if they're team players and they want to be here and they feel like they need a place where they belong and this is where they belong, then that's where we want them to be. That's, that's awesome and extremely uh, touching, especially with the, the climate that we have right now. Uh, so we're recording this on March 26th and uh, the, I don't want to get into it, but the, I spent most of my day with people saying, what do you think about the Jesse Smollett thing? I'm like, ah, oh, there's, no, there's no easy answer here. But it's nice to know no. that there, is, uh, there are people like yourselves and your co-founder that are going out of their way to say, hey, people may think that you're different, but you're just as good as us over here. Like, get over here. Exactly. And, yeah, and that's, that's really nice. Would you ever, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but one of the greatest wrestlers of all time is from New Jersey. <laughs> and, and he uh he's currently he's, he's currently rapping have you ever thought about bringing over enzo amore oh um i know <laughs> people who are friends with enzo oh like i have close friends who work with enzo on various projects i'm not going to blow up their spot and he's appeared on a podcast that features people that are on our show or or who have appeared on our shows or people we have relationships with mm. that's a hard that's a hard question to answer because Enzo's a loaded topic. Um, whether or not you include the proceedings that led to him being fired, just that, that's a whole lot to unpack. But then him as a person, him as a personality, also the price tags that would come with someone like that. Um, when you're analyzing as a company, yeah, I, this is just me as someone with anxiety who hates themselves and overanalyzes everything because that's just who they are as a human being. Yeah. Uh, you look at every conceivable option and figure out what's the best road to go down and what's the bravest road that will make sure that you're able to fight another day. Very, very chairman of the board right here. You know, very, very diplomatic. <laughs> um, he's amazing on the mic. Uh, that's what drew me to him. I thought he was phenomenal on the mic. Uh, do you have anyone... Uh, we spoke about this earlier because um, I didn't want to give you anxiety. <laughs> anyone, anyone on your roster that, that you'd want, you would say is the complete package now, I'm more than happy to let you name a few different names. Well, you can look at a talent like Sonny Kiss who just got signed to All Elite Wrestling. Uh, one of the greatest athletic people I've ever seen in my life can do anything inside that ring and just has a presence about him that draws everyone to him. No matter who you are, you see Sonny Kiss, you can tell he's a star. Same thing for guys like Matt McIntosh, Anthony Gangone, guys like Darius Carter who have their identity. For me, the total package is someone who can embrace who they are as a talent and be a 360-degree human being. So as a character, you need to embrace all of your flaws, all your foibles, and turn them into strengths. Uh, every single insecurity, every single anxiety, you need to embrace them and kind of lean into what that is. So there's never really a perfect wrestler because if you're booking a show or you're creating a product, whether you're a TV producer or an independent promoter or just someone in general, if you're putting together a project, if everybody has the same set of skills, there's no one that's going to stand out. There's no one that's going to be dynamic. There's no one that's going to be able to change the game or be the leader. If mm. you have different types of people, but with all the with all the same goals, then you're putting yourself into a, a great path to success. Because we, 
I'll give an example. Uh, Juba, who was a Capital Wrestling Tag Team Champion until he broke his ankle in three places. Damn. He had broken his ankle in a match, yeah. finished the match, walked to the back, took his boot off, drove people home, drove himself home, and then walked into the urgent care. Like, people like that who will bust their ass and prove themselves as human beings, mm. that's the stuff I want on my roster. Those are the people that I want on my roster. It's always, it, well, it never fails to surprise me or, or, or shock me how fucking professional 99% of wrestlers are. They, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you could, you've seen enough injuries in your time, but the one that always takes me back is, um, is uh, RVD dropped his knee on, a, on Triple H's throat. I was there for that. I was oh, at the garden for that. I was damn. at that show. And it was just like, he just kept going. And I remember watching it at like 2 a.m. in England. Like, he's not good. Like, he's... And it's just, yeah. He was the opposite of well. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite. Stone Cold breaking his neck. I was there for that, too. All right. Let's see if we can go three for three. Um, ah, were you there for when Sid Vicious broke his ankle? No, I was not. And that wasn't his ankle. That was his whole damn leg. I watched oh. that on pay-per-view, though. I watched that happen. And now, I witnessed someone breaking their leg in real time. Ooh, no. I was managing on a show. One of the guys I managed went for a moonsault. He hit the apron of the ring where the, oh. steel, and the, where the steel and the wood meet. Broke his leg. Devastatingly so. And I just... That shit haunts you. Yeah, uh, can you imagine? I've, I've gotten a couple of concussions. Uh, I've blown out. I almost blew out my knee uh, a year or two ago from just an innocuous jumping off of the apron. And I oh, just really? landed wrong. Because in the state of New York, you need floor, you need mats, you need ring mats. Yeah. Uh, they're athletic commission mandated. So jumped off the apron. It was a guy I was managing, Evander James, was wrestling homicide. And homicide love him respect him he's one of the defining guys of our area and of the prior generation well a lot of people take homicide seriously as as they should (laughs) uh he told me to run i ran uh i jumped off of the apron i landed with half of my foot on the wooden floor and then half of it on the mat and my knee popped so I have this dangerous man staring at me, possibly chasing me, while I'm holding the guardrail and limping like an asshole, trying to just <laughs> no-sell it while everybody's looking at me like, oh, fuck, he's hurt. And I, I, just, I just popped it. I, I aggravated something. Uh, and, but a few months later, ACH dived on me, easy as can be. Everybody thought I got shot, but that was the easiest bump I think I've ever taken. I was going to say, um, are you trained to take bumps? I've, done, I've had training, but uh, I, I live by the simple axiom. I do what I can do to make the match better, mm. make it look real. And I'm not someone who should take moves, mainly because my athleticism is absurdly limited. Uh, and I don't want to put anybody who I'm giving my body to in a position to hurt themselves. 
that's fair. So you wouldn't want to like van like do a van daminator on someone. Oh hell no! Couldn't even get I, if I got my leg that high, I would just be impressed. I would stop halfway through and say, "Did everybody just see that?" I just yeah, want to I, make sure everybody saw that, and then go to the yeah. hospital because I tore my hip off the bone. Yeah, I, I as a kid, I, I loved LVD, but it was one of those you, you'd watch you'd watch pro wrestling. You'd be like, "Yeah, I could do that. I could do that." Then he'd show up, <laughs> and I'd be like, "Never mind, never mind." <laughs> We're good. I can drink beer and throw it at people. That's me. So, so I mean, like I obviously, you know, we're best friends now. We're we're closer oh, than closer than any two people have ever been. How do I go about creating a tag team and managing it? Well, first and foremost, you need an identity. Okay, so. so- I- I'm going to be, see, I've already got a plan. I, I would like one guy to dress as an American Eagle and mm-hmm. the other guy to have a very hot dog style outfit. He can take it off. It can just uh, be a jacket. Oh, no, we have a hot dog. Capital has a hot dog. Okay, cool. So already, already half hot the way there. Yeah, hot dog starts. And, and I'm going to call myself Uncle Sammy. And I'm going to put on a terrible American accent. And I just want to be a heel. I pretty much just want people to boo me or a reason for them to boo me as opposed to just walking around New York city and just being booed. (laughs) I've I've had both of those things happen just innocuous of one another. Um, uh, Yeah. The the thing about the thing about getting heat, the thing about, and and when I taught a promo class for a brief period of time, because I consider myself to be good at the talk speak things. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're left with the idea of why. Yeah. Why should people care? Why is it important? Why does it matter to you? Why are you in this situation? So you come up with the idea of why. Why does Uncle Sammy exist? Well, you're turning your views of Americans onto them and turning them into a cool parody, but you're so up your own ass you believe that this is what Americans want and this is who Americans are. Yeah, I want the classic immigrant, you know, heel character. Yeah, but but you put a new twist on it because you're you're basically lampooning who they are as Americans. You're not cosplaying as a, a Soviet prototype or the Iron Sheik or <laughs> these various other characters or Colonel De Beers who was South African. That was a weird one. That was a weird choice yeah. uh, for a guy named Ed Rigowski, a, a Canadian. Uh, to play a very racist South African in the 1980s. That was an idea. Simpler times. <laughs> yes. But th- that's the key. The key is to find the reason that you get heat. My, okay. character, my character, Matthew Ryan Shapiro, gets heat because he's loud, he's abrasive, he's disrespectful, he thinks he's better than everybody else. He treats the people he manages as the greatest things of the world until they, they, they lose or they screw him over. I'm a little He's bit concerned addictive. that you said character. Let's be honest. Come on. You can embrace it. It's, <laughs> it's not a character. It, it, it's a part of your identity. It, it's all, depending upon who you are, it's you turned up to 11. It's your worst trait turned up to 11. It's your internal view of yourself mm. turned up to 11. Or it's just different things that you know you can do. You embrace a different side of you that 
apes itself into a character. Now, me, Matt Ryan, and Matthew Ryan Shapiro are different, unique people with similar tastes, similar views. Uh, both are agnostic, both are Democrats, uh, but both are different in how they apply their worldview. Uh, and both are different in how they deal with people. Matthew Ryan Shapiro sells dignity for a dollar at his merchandise table. The other <laughs> one just tries to give people opportunities and save themselves some dignity. So I need to bring at least a dollar when I come to <laughs> the next show. Yeah, I'll say I'll save some special for you. Thank you. I, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> You've thrown me. So thank you. Um, growing up, who was who was your go-to? Who was your go-to wrestler, or, or just a go-to match that you you still fondly remember? Oh, go-to match is uh, Bret Hart, Mr. Say, Perfect, SummerSlam '91. Oh, I thought you could say Bret Hart, Stone Cold. I think. Oh no, Bret Hart, Stone. Yeah, Bret Hart, Stone, Stone Cold, Mania 13. Obviously, like there's that's a hard question to answer because there's so many good match, like Flair and Sting. Uh, anything with Flair and Steamboat, uh, the three-way dance from Barely Legal 97. The first ECW I ever watched mm. was Barely Legal 97 because uh, we lived in an area of New York where the cable laws were loosely defined. And <laughs> my late mother uh, pulled out a pay-per-view guide and said, hey, uh, there's wrestling on tonight. Do you want to watch it? She had no idea what it was. Mm. Uh, and then I'm watching ECW and I'm seeing Rick Rude and uh, all these different sexualized and over-violent characters, and that's the moment where it kind of clicked for me. Um, another one, the reason why uh, I wanted to be in the pro wrestling business in the first place is Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler. Okay. I remember sitting in a family friend's apartment at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was 7 or 8, and I'm from Hollywood came on. And it's Lynn Margulies, who's now a friend of mine, weirdly, like just someone I know, which is a weird thought, just at any point in my life, uh, did this documentary. Uh, it's kind of a mockumentary about Andy Kaufman becoming a wrestler. Just the whole path of when he was wrestling women and wrestling women on Saturday Night Live to his whole feud with Jerry the King Lawler. And I was enamored with it. I was like, you can fucking do this. This is a thing. Well, that, that moment, really kicked in. Well, you. I was going to say that moment on Letterman is still just iconic. The where it's just like that. I don't know. I think that was the perfect. Barry just sitting there and just kind of smiling was the ultimate heat magnet. It was just this beautiful moment where you had the quote-unquote good guy, I guess, the, the baby face, just like, how dare you do this? How dare you touch me and all this other stuff? And you've just got this absolute atomic bomb of heat just sitting there smirking. And it's still, to this day, like it's just one of those moments you watch and you, and you just know Letterman isn't in on the joke. Yeah. And it he just, has no idea what's going on. And, it's and just he is beautiful. afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you be? Because... Well, the king back then. I, I, I'd fancy my chances now to at least outrun him. But nah, Jerry's athletic. Jerry's. A, I, I've hung out with him. Yeah. Spry dude. Spry dude. Oh, then I take it back. I'm gonna die. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, don't, don't, don't fuck with someone who worked in Memphis. Uh, most of those guys, they either live till 90 or die at nine or die at 40. And it, and that's a shame, but mm-hmm. they will, they have outlived all of us in terms of what they've been able to do in their lives or what they've been able to do to their bodies. Like they're, 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 the fact that a lot of those guys are still around is amazing to me. Well, um, oh, I saw Jerry at a, I think, um, a New York Comic Con last year. He was just, he was on a booth. I was at that booth. You probably saw me. I may have. I, I was yeah. wandering around uh, dressed as Bob Belcher. So if you saw a very confused, mustachioed man, that was probably me. Um, yeah, that, that, was at, that was at the Headlocked booth, uh, operated by my good friend, Mike Kingston. And uh, it'll be at New York Comic Con again this year. Uh, support Headlocked. Uh, by the way, the definitive wrestling graphic novel, uh, stories by AJ Styles, uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, some of the big, Samoa Joe, some of the biggest names in professional wrestling have written stories for it. Ric Flair, Mick Foley. They, it's a great book, and he's a great human being. Go out of your way to support that guy. Yeah. I didn't know Samoa Joe wrote for him. That is... Yeah, so, Joe is just this, I have no idea. I could watch Joe lose 365 days a year, yet he is still going to be one of my favorite wrestlers. He's just this, he's a workhorse, an absolute tank, and he sells everything so well. And it's just, I don't know, I always leave, a, I leave, always leave one of his fights like, well, he'll get him next time. I've seen Samoa Joe for nearly... 12 years I've watched him wrestle for 12 or 13 years of my life mm. and there has been no time where he has not been one of my favorite professional wrestlers because he kind of defines that mix of MMA tough guy shit yeah. with just well-versed Ali-esque talk and just being one of the most engaging and charismatic human beings because he grew up in a performance family he performed in the 84 Olympics Really? So he's a guy. Yeah, he his family did the opening ceremonies for the '84 Olympics. Damn, I didn't know that. I watched an interview with him. Um, I think during last uh, WrestleMania weekend, and I was just like, I was expecting because, like you said, he on the mic. There's re- there's very very few better, um, and I was expecting like, okay, he's going to destroy this guy because um, it was like six a.m. and he was already complaining that it was too early. And then he was just this absolute sweetheart. And I was like, damn, this guy genuinely has everything. He's a super nice guy, ridiculously talented. And every time he does that step up in Siguri in the, in the corner, I'm always just like, damn, how does he do it? Because he's not, he's not light. He's, no, he's not light, but he's an athlete, man. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised when he joined, when he went to the main roster of WWE. I thought he was... NXT perfection. I, that that was his that was his stomping ground. If you get a chance to go to the dance, man, you go to the dance. If you get that call, no matter what, you've got to take it. Are you quoting that? You're quoting Paul Heyman. Oh, um, so this Paul is Heyman, the dance. Now, and there's a story behind that. Um, okay. Before every Capital Wrestling show, there's a meeting. We have a talent meeting, and every once in a while, uh, I kind of get riled up into doing a version of the This is the Dance speech. 
Uh, I'm trying to limit it now because it gets a little ridiculous and it gets a lot of uh, very flaily. Uh, but yeah, that speech is another reason why I want to do what I do mm. because you're able to encapsulate the passion of two or three decades of love and devotion and being a part of this thing and wanting to be a part of it so badly um, traveling to Chattanooga, Tennessee, traveling to Atlanta, traveling to Canada, no money, little money, uh, taking the Long Island Railroad with a busted knee just so you can get home at two o'clock in the morning and eat Taco Bell with the money you made off t-shirts. Um, all the sacrifices you make, all the different bullshit you've gone through in your life. I, I, I'm a graduate of New York University. I'm an AP award-winning broadcaster. I've worked for the NHL. I've done a lot of stuff, but pro wrestling is the thing that I've decided is going to be my life. And you, you look at yourself and you wonder, is this the right choice? And then you get to talk to people like you or you get to produce hundreds of episodes of television, or you get to be the, you get to be someone's first wrestling show, or you get to be that gateway experience, or you get to work with people. I, I'm so lucky to work with people like Marcus Dowling and Lee Mandon, who are my creative partners at Capitol. Lee walked away from wrestling. He was done a year ago. He came into our lives because of a just incredible documentary and the whole kerfuffle that happened because of that. Mm. But we were able to bring him back into the industry. People like Derange or Jimmy Rave or AC Lowe, guys who defined independent wrestling a generation ago, bringing them back and saying, we want to be here. We want to help you. We want to build this thing. Guys like David Sahadi, um, who did all of those vignettes that you remember when you were a kid, the ones with Freddie Blassie, the Lonely Road of Faith videos, uh, the My Way WrestleMania 17 package, all those pay-per-view intros, that's David Sahat. And he works for us now as an executive producer, and that just jars my mind. Yeah. Uh, guys like Dan, Dan Bynum, who were directors for the first ever Clash of Champions, who directed World Class Championship Wrestling, WCW pay-per-views, WCW television, Ring of Honor television. When I worked there, MLW, and he's helping us curate and develop who we are as a brand and shepherding us along and championing what we do. Guys like Zane Decker. Zane never wanted to be a part of independent wrestling. We met because we worked on a couple of shows together. He was doing photography and some videography. And... We, he was living in Australia at the time when we announced Capital. He messaged me. I got it like three or four in the morning. He said, hey, man, I want to work on this. And 103 episodes later, uh, Zane is a director and executive producer. He is the guy that has curated our visual brand to be the most dynamic in professional wrestling. And to be able to work with these people, create these opportunities, uh, just to to do all that with people I care about, Stephen James and Harry Turjanian, who are commentators with the second coming of Gorilla and Bobby, uh, managers like Bobby Orlando and Portia Vaughn. Now, Portia Vaughn may be my favorite character in professional wrestling history because she's if Lindy West and Lena Dunham were a heel and wore pussy hats. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> do yourself a favor, look up a Porsche Vaughn promo. You're welcome for that. And the person that that is Porsche Vaughn is one of the most dynamic people I've ever had the pleasure of working with as a talent because they get it. They know what they're doing. They Zach Amico as well. Uh, if you watch Capital Wrestling Television, he's a guy with the really large hair who staple who's been staple gunned in the face uh, in the middle of a hostage negotiation. Uh, we have hostage negotiations at Capital Wrestling. We have hot dog negotiations <laughs> and the occasional uh, uh, Goodfellas-esque vignette, uh, which is just kind of we're a TV show that happens to have pro wrestling in it, and that's kind of what we've become as a brand. And I'm I'm happy with that. That. I'd- as you should be, but I just want to want to bring up a couple of things from that beautiful speech. There were so many subtle brags that I have to take my hat off to you. So many, but <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. It's what we do. Ah, that's true. I'm I'm hurt to find out I'll never be the third commentator that you never knew you, you needed. <laughs> and and lastly. How many, you either sold a lot of t-shirts and bought a lot of Taco Bell or you didn't sell any t-shirts and only bought one Taco Bell. Oh no, I sold, I sold my fair share of t-shirts, alternative facts, dignity, promos, buttons, uh, what have you. I had once someone give me 20 to $30 before to insult someone for five minutes. So, you know, it's a gig economy. Well, yeah, <laughs> take it where you can get it, I guess. Well, I am... Um, just learning about your uh, about capital wrestling over the past uh, month has genuinely been a joy. Um, as I, I've mentioned to you a couple of times now, I could be having a crappy day at work. I could be having a mediocre day at work, or I could be having a great day at work. But when you eat, when you send over one of your new promos or vignettes, I stop what I'm doing because the production value is is awesome. I'm instantly left thinking what the fuck's going to happen next. <laughs> and then I'm like, this guy gets me. So <laughs> it's, it's the perfect trifecta and I, I really appreciate it. So I have two last questions for you. Hit me. Okay. So we've been talking now for, for about half an hour. That's 30 minutes in America. Um, <laughs> do you think I now have what it takes to become the greatest American of all time? I think you're on your way there. Um, I think that you need to uh, vote a little more. Uh, okay. I think every American, I think every American should vote. Um, that is a key part of our republic as a country. Well, I haven't been able to yet, but I'm well, looking we'll, forward we'll to get it. you there. Well, move to Chicago. You'll be able to vote three times. Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, you need to listen to at least one Grateful Dead, one Johnny Cash, and one ABBA record. Why ABBA? That's Swedish. Variety is the spice of life. That's true. We actually listened to their entire discography the other day at work. And at first I was like, this is going to be a very long three hours. And at the end of it, I was like, that was a really good three hours. What do you do where you get paid to listen to ABBA all day? It's what I don't do, which is how I get paid to listen to Abba okay. all day. There you go. Um, Fair enough. So Grateful Dead, Johnny Cash, the, the OG Eurovision at Song Contest winners. <laughs> then uh, 
Then where do I go? Hmm. Need to get a tattoo. Got one. Okay. Uh, read as much Hunter S. Thompson as humanly possible. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to watch the movies. I can, I can watch, watch, watch the movies and read the books. Read Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. It is the most raw despi- decrypt- that description. There we go. NYU education. There we go. Uh, it's the most raw description of the American political experience that we're having now mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Okay. And go to a Met game just so you can learn what it is to be heartbroken as an American. You say that. I'm a Mets fan. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome to the club. I'm sorry. I, it's it's I, okay. I, I, my, in my country, well, you know, that all those hours away where they're having their own thing right now, I support a team called Arsenal. They, they are the, the almost guys. But I, I always have a good time there. And I went to uh, Pam and her family are Yankees fans. They took me to Yankee Stadium to watch uh, the Subway Series, which I would watch in England because it was a big deal. And I noticed that the Mets fans were having way more fun. And I was like, I'm going with them. <laughs> well, the, the Mets fan is the, the Catholic experience. You experience joy through pain. The Yankee experience is the Presbyterian one. You experience joy through joy, but you have to buy your way there. Well, the Yankee, kind of a the Yankee mascot is a dollar bill. <laughs> You're the only person there, to laugh at that. So, <laughs> thank you. You're, well, I, I know it's true. I, I've been to Yankee Stadium outside of my NYU graduation once. Mm. And it boggled my mind because it was just this gigantic mausoleum. You go to City Field, it's a mall, but it's a mall with the it's open air. It feels like a baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium just kind of feels like Grand Central Station. Yeah, I never thought about that. I, Grand Central Station is my favorite place in New York, though, on a quick side note. Hmm, I, it's I a pretty cool place. I don't know what it is. I just go there. I could sit there for hours. Um, but no, I, I love City Field. I, the, my only gripe is uh, I'm still yet to see Thor pitch, and I've been to oh. seven games, and it's destroying me. Well, he just re-upped, so you're good. Whenever I go, like, I remember I got tickets for three games in the space of a month last season, and uh, I think he he pulled a muscle in like his pinky, and I'm like, really? Sounds about right. Great. That's so, a very <laughs> mess injury. It is. Also, I love his banter with Mr. Matt on Twitter. I think it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. So my final question: I ask this to everybody. I never give anyone a heads up because no one listens to this podcast. So it's always fresh. <laughs> who should I follow? Who should I, well, who should I look up to, to, you know, seek inspiration to become the greatest American and to give you a heads up. Someone has already said Alex Rodriguez. So you can't <laughs> say that one. Um, gritty. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, that's kind of my go-to answer for anything, but, uh, Gritty is a good answer. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson's a really good answer. Patton Oswalt, I believe is a real, true, great American. 
because he was someone who embraced who they were at every stage of their life, but continued to find themselves and continued to grow and continued to change and continued to push to be better. That's the thing about the American spirit that I love. And I think that's something that can be brought out more is that we're a nation always looking to be better. Mm. Are we always better? No, we fuck up a lot. But in comparison to all the other countries we're playing with, we're the, some of the youngest ones in the sandbox in comparison to England, Germany, basically all of Europe and Asia. We're less than 300 years old. We're still working the kinks out of a very complicated and erroneous system of government yeah. that a lot of other countries try to follow but are really unable to. If you watch enough episodes of The West Wing, you kind of figure that out. That's too much walking. I get exhausted. <laughs> I get into arguments with people all the time about Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> I, I usually lose, but I feel like he is someone that you, needs to be watched and have their content taken. And I think he's a brilliant writer. Um, well, I'm just glad you didn't but, say Hulk Hogan. No, 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 no. Cause I, I was a little bit worried. Um, you know, when I was younger, I did, I did used to think, like, I don't know, he was sold to me as the American, like as what all Americans were. And I was like, oh, man, that's going to suck. And then well, I he, moved. Go on. Well, uh, he's the definition of what America was in the 80s. Big, yeah. loud, colorful. He was a human cartoon character in an era that was over-the-top grandiose. You know, you had the advent of MTV, Reagan-era economics hip-hop, cocaine, you know, you had all these larger-than-life things, and Hogan was a great approximation of it. I agreed with everything you said up until the last two. Then I was like, these aren't bad things. (laughs) (laughs) These these sound like a great Friday afternoon. Not at work, obviously. Definitely not at work, in case that one listener works with me. (laughs) Well, it has been an absolute joy to talk with you um and i i do really mean that um i'm glad that we could finally sort out a time i usually say at this point to whoever is sitting opposite me hey you can plug something and you know i usually give them a minute i want you to just everything anything and everything you want people how they can find about find out more about capital wrestling um where you guys just, just everything. Just, just go. How, how would how would people become fans of Capital Wrestling? Uh, the easiest way is going to us on social media: Facebook.com slash Capital Wrestling, Twitter.com slash Capital Wrestling. Leave off the last G for goodness. Capital Wrestling on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube: uh, YouTube.com slash Capital Wrestling. We're bringing you new episodes of Capital Wrestling. We are one of the few weekly episodic shows airing consistently and concurrently worldwide uh, across a a multitude of platforms. We're currently on Twitch every single week. We're on the Fight app. We're on Nothing Else on TV, where you can watch us absolutely free with a seven-day trial. You can watch us on the Global Wrestling Network. You can watch us on YouTube, obviously. We put episodes up on our Facebook page every single week. And if uh, if you live in China, you can find us on Xuezhou. Uh, which is a digital platform. And you can also hopefully find us soon on in Zimbabwe. We're working out the kinks of a deal to be aired on ZBC, the national station of Zimbabwe. 
and we air every Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. on Fight Network UK, which you can get on Sky and Freeview, I believe, is the other channel. But you can watch us every Saturday at 11.30 p.m. on a week delay on the Fight Network in the UK. That's awesome. I remember you saying that you were, you were going over, or the brand was going to England, and I was like, Dan, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> But I just want to leave you with this. What, what I truly I admire about everything that you've accomplished is the fact that it wasn't handed to you. It was something that you and, and everybody involved has uh, obviously loves, has incredible amount of passion for and time. And I just, it's, it's just, it really is a, a beautiful thing to, to see so many people chasing their dreams and, and getting somewhat with it. So so that, that's, that's always great. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And this podcast is a really cool thing, too, because not only are you just talking, taking the piss with people, but you're, you're trying to learn more about the American experience. You're trying to learn more about your adoptive homeland. You're learning the place where you're spending probably the rest of your life. I'm sorry. Uh, but <laughs> that's... But that's the thing about being an American. And then every once in a while, I'll get patriotic or I'll get political. 2020 is coming up, so i got to put on my, my fighting boots. Yeah, vote Kanye. we got we got a lot of vote. Yes, vote Kanye. Uh, this is this, as a Democrat, this thing is going to be a shit show. Um, but in 2016, uh, I was working, volunteering for the Bernie Sanders campaign. And... I was at this fundraiser for the Sanders campaign, like the week of the New Jersey primary. Mm. And I ended up backwards ass hosting the event because I knew how to talk. And I got very drunk. And I cut this promo that was essentially a campaign speech, but it turned into a promo. Uh, And you just, the great thing about being American is that you have a multitude of choices Mm -hmm. and you can embrace all of these things around you or you can't, or you don't. The great thing about America is you have the freedom to do for the most part, what you want within reason and how we embrace that, how we change, how we evolve as a nation is predicated on us finding ourselves on finding who we are, examining why examining who we are, not only as people, but as communities. Because you'll see neighborhood by neighborhood, block by block, there's these different identities that grow that roll into them. I grew up in a primarily Hispanic and Asian neighborhood as the only white kid on my block up until I was maybe 17. And a ginger as well. Yes. That's not and I, didn't, I, caught, I caught hell from my Caucasian friends and my Hispanic friends over <laughs> that. But I went to a high school uh, with your wife uh, that was, ethnically culturally financially diverse and i was a little shit in high school i was annoying and emo and hated everyone but when you look back on it these are different communities these are different people that were all able to exist excuse me in this one ecosystem and i think if we embrace that part of us more as americans and that's what we try to do in capital wrestling we try to create this different ecosystem where all these different personalities can exist or not or can exist to coexist or not coexist with one another create friction and boom you've got people fighting in a ring with very skippy leotards on uh you the way it should be the more (laughs) 
But the more we embrace that, the more we can take into the fact that we are different. And that's kind of a good thing. I think the better Americans will be. We have to do a better job of being better Americans. I, I don't know how you do it. I do, just don't know how you, you pull these speeches out. I feel I'm like it's fucking it's, carny. It's very Dan Harmon of you. Um, <laughs> I'm a fat guy with a beard and a creative job. So that all kind of jobs. Well, if you are Dan Harmon, you created one of my favorite shows. Community. Oh, same here. Same here, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love community. All right. I'm going to be in Jersey in five minutes. <laughs> and we're going to hang out. Um, but no, it has been, it has been awesome. And, uh, obviously you're, you're always welcome to come back and, and critique my Americanisms and I'm going to keep <laughs> banging on the Capitol wrestling door to either get my tag team up and running or to be the, uh, slightly more attractive Corey Graves that you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> Minus the infidelity, obviously. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you again. And I'll make sure, uh, I'm sure you'll send me over all the links that I can throw in the, the description below. And yeah, thank you again so much for, for being here. Thank you so much, man. Have a great night. Cheers.